Hey, welcome to the Cosmic Car Wash podcast again. Uh, I am Paul Daly. This is my good friend, Rick. Hello, everybody. And uh, really, really happy to be here. We missed last week because you had some family stuff. You were out uh, celebrating in the mountains of North Carolina. and Actually, we're in Virginia. Virginia, okay. Yeah, Virginia. I took uh, Janet up there for her birthday. and Nice. And uh, it was nice. It was a really nice getaway. A little cold. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, yeah, time of year. I've, it's been unseasonably warm here in Michigan, southwest Michigan, where I'm at the last uh, week or so. But uh, today starts the downhill slide into the 40s. So, yeah, it's 70, 71 here today. So. That's motorcycle weather, man. Yeah. Man, oh, man. Cool. Well, so we're calling this one uh, What's Following You? And. Uh, I suggested this just because um, Psalm 23, verse 6 has kind of been one of those verses that's been rolling wow. through my mind uh, over and over, and not in any real context or anything, but just I kept hearing that, like, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Hmm. And then it goes on to say, and I will dwell on the house of the Lord forever. And I just kept thinking about that. and. Um, I was talking with some other friends uh, recently uh, about what it means to love our wives well, and I remember hearing, I think it was Miles Monroe uh, years ago, preached a sermon about how women are multipliers, and what you give a woman, she multiplies and gives back to you. He said, you know, if you give a wife a house, she gives you a home. You give her a set of ingredients, she gives you back a cake. You know, you give your wife Part of yourself, she gives you back a baby. Um, but then also, there's this idea that uh, our wives are reflectors. That if I want to see how I'm loving my wife well, I look at what's coming to me from her. And so, just kind of all of this stuff circling around, like what's following me. And uh, it's been a couple months since my dad passed away, and still reflecting back on the last uh, months and weeks of his life. His memorial service in particular was absolutely one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen. So many people coming together, talking about Jesus. His memorial service was as much about Jesus as it was about him and how much God loves us and how he is after us. And the best thing that can happen to us is just to surrender to Jesus. And so as I was thinking about the cumulative effect of my dad's life was that all of these people came together to talk about how generous and kind he was, but also how generous and kind God is. And so thinking about, am I living that same kind of life? You know, hmm. What would be said of me? What would be the impact of my life if I were, you know, in a casket and people were getting together to eat free food and talk about me, you know? <laughs> so kick, kick dirt in your face. Right. Uh, so anyway, that's where this kind of impetus came from. And uh, yeah, I don't know if there's anything, Rick, when I kind of tossed this idea over to you, if there was anything that really that came up um, outside of Psalm 23. But no, yeah. immediately, that's the first thing that popped into my mind. I actually have it written down. This has been something that I've thought about for quite some time, too. Yeah. Is that... Um, yeah, that David is writing this, 
And I mean, if I can expand on. Yeah. So actually you're thinking exactly what I was. I'd like to know what the context of Psalm 23 is, because I think it, it speaks exactly to the actual Hebrew wording that he used in Psalm 23, verse six. Right. Yeah. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Um, some theologians believe David wrote this Psalm as he was fleeing Jerusalem with this son, Absalom, hot on his heels to kill him, to murder mm. him. And uh, those of you that are not familiar with Absalom, he was one of many sons of David. Um, apparently, according to the Bible, he was um, very handsome, very influential. Um, uh, he was uh, um, very, uh, in, he had a lot of influence and spoke very well. And so he would stand in the gate and um, he basically began to win people over to him mm. and um, started a, basically a revolt and drove his own father out of the kingdom. And so theologians believe that's when David wrote this as he was, you know, running for his life. And so, which, you know, to think about it and, and kind of get into the weeds that, um, I, I and just from my own perspective, I think that as he was leaving Jerusalem, that he was looking back at simpler times when he was just a kid. He slept under a blanket of stars, um, a time when the emerald earth was his bed and the sky above was his ceiling. Yeah. The sound of bleeding sheep and babbling brooks accompanied his guitar as he penned poetry and songs in the wilderness. Here he was someone. He preferred the solitude of the pasture instead of the cacophony of sibling rivalry and the competitive barking for affirmation. Here he was a shepherd, a protector, a provider, a champion, a father. He needed no political allies, no dubious counsel, no unscrupulous soothsayers. He had a guitar, a sling, a purpose, and the presence of God, and he was content. He learned to worship and he learned courage. He learned to lead because he learned how to follow. Mm -hmm. And the goodness and mercy behind him taught him to be a shepherd long before he became a king. And really uh, good. yeah. And so, and that caused me to write what is following me. Yeah. And uh, that's why David, I think became such a great leader and a great king is because he learned to follow long before he learned to lead. And what followed him were sheep. He was, he was a shepherd, uh, you know, and, they, and we call Jesus the great shepherd. And interesting that when uh, the angels announced Jesus' birth, the first people they told were shepherds. Yep. Yeah. So there is there's a depth to this that I still don't think that, you know, we have plumbed enough. And uh, I think that goodness and love, goodness and mercy Surely, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Um, when David wrote this, enemies were following him, and they were fleeing in the night, terrified. That's not goodness and mercy. Right. <laughs> and, um, and he remembered the sheep. And the uh, Bible also says that, to, you know, we like sheep have all gone astray. We're like sheep looking for a shepherd. So... Um, I wrote, I followed up with um, just one line. It said, if you consider yourself a leader and no one is following you, where are you going? Mm. So, um, yeah, I'm, my head is spinning right now. I don't really have any thoughts. Um, 
uh, I wrote down some other weird stuff I can introduce a little bit later. But I think that um, in order, if this is really what we want, I mean, if this is really what I want, I want goodness and mercy to follow me. First of all, I, it all depends on who I'm following. Right. And, you know, Christ, um, he, I, I mean, we're sheep, you know, and, and those people that they throw that word around. A lot of people don't like to hear that because they consider that you're sheeple. You're right. just, because sheep are not the brightest animals on on the planet. And we all, you know, most people know that, that are familiar with sheep. Um, and that's why we need, that's why sheep need a shepherd. Right. So they'll just walk right off a cliff. So as you know, just thinking off the top of my head, if I'm following Christ and then people are following me, I am just as responsible to them as I am to him. Mm. And so there has to be that, I guess, that investment. And I say that all the time. There's a lot of people that they want to lead. They want that job. And some of them, you know, I mean, with your career and, and my many careers, there's always those people that they want a leadership position because they get to sit down and boss people around. Oh. And it does to them, it, they don't have, they're not on their feet. They don't have to work. They get to tell people what to do. They get to yell at people. They can come in late and leave early. And, and I've worked in that environment hmm. and, you know, and then they can't understand why they don't get the job and why they don't get the promotion. And what's even worse is when they do get the promotion and then you have to work under that and in, in that environment. And, uh, those are hard people to follow very hard. Um, and I, I spent some years in, uh, working in facilities and healthcare and, and I worked with people like that and it was uh, quite a few years. And I remember, I think you and I had conversations about that. I just yep. barely, you know, hang on. And, and, uh, people always said, you know, that, um, you know, just take the high road, you know, the view's nicer. And I remember thinking, no, it isn't. It's not. It stinks. It's terrible. And, uh, you know, um, everything comes full circle, all those little bumper stickers. And I'll tell you what, Paul, I was at the end of my rope. I was literally looking for other jobs and updated my resume. And at that last hour, it all blew up. And every single one of those people were gone in a mm. day. Gone. They were all uh, let go. <clears throat> and in the following months and just over a short period of time, I ended up with my own campus, my own facility. Wow. So yeah, hanging on. And even right now, you know, the, with what's going on and in, in our church and the changes and some upheaval, but good upheaval. And the former leadership has, has been asked to step down and they were not asked to leave. They're just asked to step down uh, for a lot of improprieties and uh, just, I could go on and on, but I won't. And, uh, you know, and it's taken eight years. And mm -hmm. the only reason I stayed is because I said, mentioned to God something in a very casual, private conversation a little over four years ago, four and a half years ago, uh, about worship in the church and being involved. And, mm -hmm. 
and said nothing to anyone else. And 36 hours later, my phone rang and that person said, I can, God won't leave me alone. You're supposed to lead. So that being said, it, it wasn't this bed of roses. I, yeah, there was times I felt like David fleeing Jerusalem <laughs> for my life. People quit. People quit the church and I hadn't even done anything yet. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was hard, but a good friend of ours, Joey, you know, he said, who's to say that God has not put you in this position for such a time as this. Yeah. And it really resonated with me. And um, so I have, I have really hung on at times when I didn't think I could hang on any longer. But when God says yes to something, my biggest concern was, what if I ask him again? And he says, well, I said yes once. Right. Where are you at now? So that that is following. And is, and I guess in my heart that I, I would love mercy, love and mercy, you know, surely goodness and mercy to follow me. But I've, I have to, I have to stay that course. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, like the two Simeons, the Simeon that prayed for Paul, um, when he was blinded and the Simeon that held the infant Jesus, that's all they had. What I'm saying is that they may not have seen what happened. I'm sure see, you know, Simeon, that he was an older man when he held that infant, he probably wasn't around when you know, Jesus came out of the wilderness after 40 days and his ministry took off. And, you know, most likely Simeon that prayed for Saul, he may not have seen the end of Paul's life. So sometimes we may not see the impact, just like our podcast when we were praying before we started, is that we may not see this until the great renewal when people start coming up, just like we're going to, you know, get to meet some of the good, the greats of the Bible yeah. and I, and they don't, none of them see themselves as greats of the Bible, Paul. I right. don't believe that. And they'll probably be just as surprised as we will. And every person that has ever labored and followed the Lord through thick and thin and just to get close to him, that one day those people we never imagined will come up and look at us like, man, you're one of the greats. And I love, I know, I love when Blaine and John Eldridge and and they're talking about, um, oh, that woman uh, she's in the C.S. Lewis uh, book. Oh, yeah. Um, I forget if the character had a name, but it was just this woman. She was a housewife. And yes. She was being paraded through the kingdom, and uh, the C.S. Lewis character in the book uh, asked, is this one of the great ones? Right. I love that. And they're like, no, she was – everyone she met, they became her children. Yeah. And uh, even the the men, the young men that she met became better husbands – you know, yeah. to their wives. And that just gives me chills, you know? Yeah. And uh, yeah, it, she was just a lady that lived down the street. Yeah. She, she was another Simeon. Yeah. So yeah, if anybody's yeah. curious, that book is the great divorce by CS Lewis. I've yes. confessed for a long time. I was turned off by the title cause I had no idea what the book was about. But when I actually got over my prejudicial uh, 
opinions and read it. It is one of the most amazing books I've ever read in my life and has given me a clearer view of what the kingdom of God, when it returns, what it will be like. Yeah, I need to read it again. I've read so much of his stuff that yeah. it all just melts together like yeah. crayons on a hot sidewalk. So yeah. anyway, yeah, I'm no. going to pass it on to you. Yeah, I will. I love everything you're saying about uh, followership, and it really jives with what I was thinking about as I was collecting my thoughts today. Um, but what I think is really interesting, and I'm glad that you brought out the context under which uh, most scholars believe that David wrote this psalm. He was fleeing from his son Absalom. Um, I think that ties directly back and intentionally to the wording that David used in. Psalm 23, verse 6. So the traditional translation that I've always heard is, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Um, Actually, I was doing a bit of uh, kind of research on this, and the word that David used was radaf, which means to chase or to pursue. Uh, He said, the goodness of mercy of God do not follow us like a good little puppy dog trailing along behind us. Rather, they gallop after us like a celestial stallion. Wow. As in the famous poem by Francis Thompson, the Lord's goodness and mercy chase us down labyrinth paths like the hounds of heaven. They stay hot on our heels. And uh, yeah, a whole new perspective. Whole new perspective. And so I went and just quickly looked at all of the different references, all the different scriptures in the Old Testament where this Hebrew word radaf is used. and Every instance that I could see, it wasn't this casual followership. It was this hot on your heels pursuit, either, uh, you know, like when Israel was running from Egypt, the Egyptians were pursuing them into the Red Sea. When David killed Goliath, Israel pursued the Philistines. And so it causes this psalm to take on a more action oriented. Uh, intentional kind of flavor to it. And so I thought it was interesting that, yeah, as David was being pursued by his son Absalom, who wanted to kill him and take his throne, David's prayer was, may your goodness and unfailing love pursue me. Mm, And then as I was continuing to look through scriptures where this word was used, um, came across Proverbs 13, 21, trouble chases sinners, while blessings reward the righteous. Um, Or Proverbs 15, verse 9, the Lord detests the way of the wicked, but he loves those who pursue godliness. Um, And then again in Proverbs 21, verse 21, uh, whoever pursues righteousness and unfailing love will find life, righteousness, and honor. So very similar to what you're saying, uh, if I want to be followed by people, um, then... I need to be someone worth following. I need to be following Jesus. And I thought, yeah, if if the question is what's following me, uh, what's pursuing me, maybe I should look at what am I pursuing? You know, like, and and David wasn't a perfect person. You know, his flaws are out there for the whole world to read. And he has been an amazing character study for thousands of years uh, of someone who did really, really, horrible things, but there was still that thing in him that pursued the heart of God. And you're absolutely right. While he was out in the pastures, 
leading his sheep. He was learning to pursue God and he was having his character forged so that he was ready when it was time for him to take over the kingship of Israel. He was a man that had been tested and tried and had proven that, you know, in spite of his flaws, he was a man who was after God's own heart. I like to think that maybe that means he's a man who was pursuing the heart of God, you know, that Rafa. So I thought that was That's how, um, Pronounce that word again. Uh, oh, sorry. It's Radoff. R-A-D-A-P-H is how it's transliterated, but pronounced Radoff. Uh, right it's now. a primitive route to run after, usually hostile with uh, no intent, figuratively um, to chase, to put to flight, to follow on or follow after, to hunt, uh, to be persecuted or pursued. Cool. So, like yeah, that. there's a real, like, forceful thing to this. So it's, it you know, Psalm 23 is a, a beautiful psalm, but... Uh, I think it's got more of an edge to it than just the the scripture that we read at somebody's funeral to kind of make us all feel better about their passing. Like yeah, David absolutely. was in the valley of the shadow of death being pursued. Right. And he was praying that God would pursue him. That's really good. Dave, or Paul, Dave, David, <laughs> King David. <laughs> I got David on the mind. No, that really is. It completely gives me just a wide open brand new perspective on this on Psalms 23. That is yeah. wow. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It kind of had that really timid kind of, you know, yeah, soft and gentle. And yes. that's good. I don't want to take that away from anybody. And certainly right. I have gotten that out of the scripture before I've used it in like quiet morning meditations and, right. but that's not all that it is. No, there's uh, almost, um, may not be the right word, but there's almost like a violent um, side to that, that God chase me harder than my enemies do. Yeah. Let your mercy, your goodness, your grace, and your power pursue me with greater vigor than my enemies do. Yeah. You know, and, and again, I think it's a give take kind of thing too, that we have to pursue God with that same radaf. Yes. You think? I do. Absolutely. And I think David, in the midst of his running from his son, was very aware that it was his sin that led to all of this. And so it was a prayer for mercy. Like, God, I know I don't deserve for your goodness and love to pursue me, but please, like, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Like when he was confronted by the prophet Nathan uh, for his sin with Bathsheba, he said, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. David had no other hope than Jesus, than, than God. So, right. That's really good. I like that. So, yeah. yeah, it just led me to then, okay, like, well, what am I pursuing? You know, if, if I'm, if I want to see what's following me, what's going to be the sum of my life that's determined one day at a time, you know, my dad didn't live his whole life selfishly and for himself and, you know, be a jerk and, you know, take advantage of people. And then in the last six months had a complete change of script. Like he certainly wasn't a perfect person, but he chased God to the best of his ability for 70 years. And the end result was goodness and mercy were chasing him. That's really good. That is a good question that I think, you know, to ask yourself, what's following me, what's chasing me. Well, 
you know, besides a plethora of regrets, I mean, <laughs> sometimes the chains are a little louder than the worship. But I think that I like that, though. I like that perspective is to pursue God with um, uh, like hunting or it's forceful. It's yeah. uh, even violently you yeah. know, to, to pursue him. Um, you know, and I guess that scripture draw nigh unto him and he'll draw nigh unto you. It's, it's a pursuit, you know, and I guess if you do it long enough and hard enough and, um, that you'll catch him yeah, and he'll catch you. And I, and it may fly in the face of, of, you know, the, the grace camp. And, and I think that's part of grace though, isn't it? Yeah. The fact that we can. Yeah. Um, because yeah, sometimes it, you know, there's always extremes, I guess, no matter your approach. And the the one extreme, I think, for the grace camp is that you don't have to do anything. It, right. Just don't do anything. It's just lackadaisical, you know, no matter where I am, what I'm doing, you know. And uh, I I don't necessarily agree with that. My The worst thing I can do is nothing. Right. You know, I can't. Um, I, I've tried that. I've you know, live that life of 65 minutes on Sunday morning. And, and by Monday morning, I'm wondering why my life is a mess. And yeah, so it's, yeah, it's something that has to be pursued. You're right. That's good. Um, and uh, in our pursuit, then we are pursued. It's yeah. I, I think yeah. we could really go down the rabbit hole on this one. <laughs> you could, you know, I know one of your favorite uh, parables that Jesus told is what's typically called the parable of the prodigal son. But the father, when he saw his son a long way off, yeah. ran to him. He pursued him. And as you rightly pointed out before, I think you've even mentioned it in other podcasts that we've done, that uh, the father was running to save his son's life because oh, yeah. by Jewish law, the son who had disowned his father could have been stoned. Absolutely. Yeah, he had brought disgrace on the village and uh, reputations were paramount. Yeah. You know, you had a good reputation, then you attracted good people, good commerce. Um, yeah. Just a good life. You didn't have a good reputation that you got all the scallywags and, and uh, scallions. Yeah. Rap scallions and hooligans and ne'er do wells. <laughs> ne'er do wells. Right. So yeah, that's, you know, you got a bad reputation. And so that was really paramount. That was high. And it falls right in line with the, uh, when Jesus is teaching the, his disciples to pray, this is all just, it's all just interwoven. It is. I love what Tim Mackey, John Collins said. The Bible is one unified story about Jesus. It's Believe all connected. Jesus. You can't take one thread out. Yeah. And, uh, but when he's teaching them the Lord's prayer, you know, and, uh, he, and we always finish. Most people finish right there. And nope. but he, he keeps and he goes and he starts talking about the guy that comes to the village in the night and friends come and and he's got no bread. So he goes to God's house. I mean, that's what he's implying. Yeah. And uh, he says he won't get up because of your relationship. This is Jesus telling them. And it's, mm -hmm. he's still talking about prayer. He's not going to get up because of your relationship. He's going to get up because of your shameless audacity and because of the honor and the reputation of his name and yeah. his kingdom. 
Yeah. That's why. And it's the same thing. It's that same thing. He, uh, he, I truly believe that God guards his reputation and his honor. Um, but I also, I wrote this morning, our devotion. I don't know if you've read it, but I also believe he's sentimental. Yep. I do. Yeah. I, I did really, read it and I do believe the same thing. Yeah. 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 And, uh, it just really touched me as I was thinking about that this morning. That's why he put all that in the ark in his hope chest. Yeah. Yep. yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it fits, you know, we have said before that we will never desire Eden as much as God desires Eden. It was his idea to create a place where he could come down and walk and talk with his humans that he created. Right. He absolutely wanted that. We were the ones that gave in to sin and caused the, the schism between us and God. But even before that, but certainly starting from that point, all of history has been about getting God's space and our space back together so he can be with us once again. It's that sentimental but ferocious insistence on I will have people that I want to spend time with and who want to spend time with me. And so in that sense, God has been pursuing us for thousands and thousands of years. That's really good. That's really good. You're right. He's relentless. Yeah. You know, I, um, yeah, I'm savoring, uh, Blaine Eldridge's book, the paradise King. Yes. Oh, oh, so good. Yeah. With God, with Adam in the garden. That's just, yeah. yeah, you gotta, I have to take it a little bit at a time. Just let it sink in, but it's just absolutely stunning. Yeah. And uh, so that it fits perfectly too. It's just that pursuit and that sentimental heart. Yeah. And that's what he wanted. Yeah. I tell you what, I, I pursue that every single day. Yeah. Whether I'm, on the, whether I'm on the porch or looking out the window, depending on the weather. And uh, that, yeah, today could be the day. Yeah. So. And I think that's it. And what's where I landed with this is neither you or I are perfect, but. We have always loved God, but man, three years ago when God had mercy on us and led us to the John and Blaine Eldridge podcast that talked about our ambivalence about the return of Christ, and yeah. it opened this whole door to the kingdom of God and to Eden and to the great renewal and the palingenesia, and it has become this self-reinforcing thing of like every day. You know, I mean, circumstances are still the same. Work is still work and stressful. Right. And there's like, you've got church things going on and life is still life, but there's this undercurrent of hope. That's like, no, this is the thing I'm going to pursue this to my dying day or until Jesus comes back and I'm, you know, yep. tra- changed in the twinkling of an eye. But yeah, this is it. I'm, yeah. Commitment. When you say open the door, that's really, really mild. Yeah. <laughs> There's like a Navy SEAL team. <laughs> <laughs> when life closes a door, it breached the wall and walked in like a yeah. boss. <laughs> it was a Navy SEAL breaching the door. <gasps> Boom! That's how, yeah. And yeah. <laughs> Just, yeah. Every preconceived notion and idea and constructed reality and just crumbled. <sighs> Yeah, like it's so good. It it changes it everything. It's reaching back into our pasts and saying all that thing that you thought was irredeemable, God can take that. God yeah. can transform that. And it's 
Oh, it's that's you know that's the Radoff. The Radoff. His Radoff. Yeah. You know. Oh my gosh! I think maybe that our pursuit is his pursuit. It's part of his DNA, which has been given to us because of his relentless, tireless, determined pursuit is embedded in those that get, get a glimpse. I think it's really in everybody. And I think maybe that's why we pursue sometimes the wrong things. Oh, a hundred percent. Get caught up in pursuing something that, yep. you know, is such a temporal uh, satisfaction, you know, whether you're yeah. collecting stamps or, um, you know, motorcycles or guitars, which are yeah. really, except for the stamps, the other two are really great. <laughs> um, <laughs> Is that maybe that's why that is, and people pursue just you know what are real estate kings or wealth or um, you know opposite sex, fame, fortune, right? Um, that little cabin in the mountains, a house on the beach. That I think it's that pursuit, that DNA, part of God's DNA that's given to each one of us that goes slightly awry because we don't have, we haven't. Either we haven't seen it or it's been ignored. We ignore that. Right. And um, that's, you know, I think that's it. And that's that tenacious, that tenacity, that tenacious drive to continue to get closer to God. And I think we talked about this a week or so ago about that proximity. Yeah. You know, I find myself now daily that I am aware of how either close or how far I am from his heart. Yeah. And, and it's, uh, you know, and I think you'll agree when we find ourselves far away, it's not hard to get back. It's mm -hmm. not like God has moved a million miles away. No. The second we turn, man, he is right there to meet us. You're absolutely right. And yeah, it's, I'm seeing this rid off a whole, wow. It starts to pop, be, doesn't it? I yeah. Like it all these things are like, oh, this and this and this. Yeah. I know. Click, 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 click. It's just a whole bunch of clicks. Yeah. And yeah, I, my mind is blown officially. Yeah. Thank you. Well, Bro. yeah, you know, and I think as I'm sitting here listening and thinking, and I feel like it's important for us to remember that we're not the initiator of anything. Right. No. Like the, you kind of, you hinted at it, but yeah, the reason that we ever pursue God is because we're picking up on his pursuit of us. I think the, the joy that we feel when we discover the kingdom of God is just a dim reflection of the joy in God's heart, like, and how thrilled he is that we get it. He's like, okay, now, yeah, now we're going the same direction. Come on, let's go. Wow. Oh my gosh. That's really good. I love it. So, yeah. So I, yeah, it just, I think we've kind of said, Everything yeah. that we need to say, this feels like a good spot. And, uh, right. And what's, what's following you? It's following you. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, that really depends on what you're following. I wrote yeah. this. I don't know why, but I'll throw it in there just for a yeah. giggle. If a chicken and egg plate is called a mother and child reunion, would a turducken be a family reunion? <laughs> As we get ready for Thanksgiving. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't know why I threw it in there, but I just and wouldn't the wouldn't the fry? I know, der. I know what's following me. Please Critics. like, subscribe, and follow us on YouTube. Yeah, there you go. 
Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't the frying pan be just as hot as the fire? So, <laughs> yeah. so yes. All right. So never had turducken, but maybe this is the year. Maybe so. <laughs> I don't think so. Deep fried turducken. There you go. Yeah. All right. What do we always say? We always say, like we said, and I will now say what I'm about to say vis-a-vis the following. God is not mad at you. Amen. He's he not poured, mad. Yeah. He poured, poured out his wrath on the cross on himself. Yeah. On himself. That's how determined he is to pursue Eden. That's his determination. I'll yes. do it. And he did it. And it's done. And he's not mad. So That's right. That's I love right. It. All right. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate you. Uh, thank you. And hey, if uh, you can give him the info to, to oh, join yeah. us. Yeah, we should probably say that too. Yeah. I mean, you can like, subscribe, comment here on these videos. Um, if you want to get a hold of us directly, you can reach out to us at info with the cosmic car wash.com. And yeah, we're not scholars or theologians, but we're continuing to collect resources and things that we will be happy to put you in touch with yes. you know, amazing books and wonderful speakers and Bible study plans and videos and songs and just everything that, you know, has, is helping us continue to pursue the heart there of God. Go. Yep. Yeah. We've been doing a devotion together for over, what, five years now? Over five years. Yeah. Every single day uh, we do it online. So uh, there's no set time. It's not a zoom call. You just kind of do it on your own. And uh, we have people that come and go and some are pretty faithful and, um, and not that they're faithless because they have to go. I'm sure there's right. other things. And, um, but anyway, we say that to invite you. It is with the uh, U version and um, it's easy to get a hold of us. Paul Daly or Rick Kaiser. We would love for you to join us. And uh, even if it's just for a short time, uh, I know you and I do ours early in the morning and some people don't do them till later that day, yep. but it's a chance to connect with a small community of believers and, and going through the Bible, studying the Bible. And we, you know, we find little tidbits here and there through Keener's commentary. And yeah. just even today that uh, the actual word, uh, Radoff, so, I love it. And so we invite you to join us if you just, if you need to connect and it's a good place to, it's a good place to be. It's a good place to get grounded and begin to move forward. And then eventually the whole goal is that you can go out and start your own little Bible study and with maybe some friends, family, people that are local and yeah. your church. And this is how we build that group that joins with the groan of all creation and crying Maranatha as, as we read off after Eden and the presence of God. So that's cool. I love it. Yeah. All right. Thank you, friend. I'll talk to you soon. Love you, man. Take care. Love you. Bye.